Would you please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4? Romans chapter 4. While you're turning there, uh, we are in a series entitled The Promises of Abraham. We've talked about elevation, possession, Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about dominion, but we're going to be looking at a, a powerful blessing that was spoken upon Abraham that is also spoken over the children of God, and that is the blessing of inheritance. The blessing of inheritance. How many know in Christ we have a wonderful inheritance? We have eternal life. We have passion here on earth. And one day we're going to be walking some streets of gold. Can you say a great big amen? We have an inheritance. But I want to do is, is I want to direct your attention to Romans chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. But just before I do, I want to read Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, and it just might be up on the screens. The Bible says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Can we just pause and say thank you, Lord? For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been unified, united rather, with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. I love that. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now you belong to Christ. You are the true children of Abraham. Isn't that interesting? And, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. How many want to set, claim that and just say good amen? So the Bible teaches that we become children of God through placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's dig, dig, dig a little bit deeper. Romans chapter 4. And in verse 16, the Bible says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Anybody in the house grateful for grace? Can you say amen? God's unmerited favor, according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, I was not raised in church. My, my children were. And they taught me a song that they brought home from their little uh, children's church, and that was Father Abraham. Is there anyone else that you know that song, Father Abraham? Had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. For, for your enjoyment, I am not going to sing that song. But I learned that song from my daughter who brought that from church. I didn't learn it in Sunday school because I didn't grow up in church. But we need to understand, according to the word of God, we are of the seed of Abraham. And we are baptized into the spirit of almighty God. And we are the children of God. Now, there are three arenas that Abram, we're going to call him Abram now, that he fought for. And there are three arenas that you and I, men of God, must fight for. How many recognize we are in the fight for, the, the, for the, the, the morals of America, the convictions of the Word of God? I believe with all of my heart, America was founded on the Word of God. Can you say good amen? And it seems like the further a people or a country drift from the foundation of Scripture, the more fight there's going to be. I shared with uh, the, the board last uh, Thursday night, 
Um, we have some of the most faithful board members in all the world. If you're a board member and you're here, would you just stand to your feet? A former board member or a current board member, would you stand to your feet? I just want to give you a little bit of love. I saw some of you. Don't make me start calling you out. Dwight Chu. Dale. Would you give them, Steve, would you give them a great big hand? Man, we got home at like 11 o'clock last Thursday talking about the deep things of God. But listen, I shared with them, the second I opened my mouth and said, we are going into Boise, Idaho, and we've driven a stake in the ground. It's going to be sometime in September. It's turning out to be November. It seemed like the the assault of the enemy uh, increased in, in my life personally. And is there anyone else? You've just been going through a spiritual battle. Let me see your hands. It just kind of out of right field, and maybe not even, not even, you know, just this guy who hates you, but maybe somebody from within your ranks. You need to understand there are some things that we must fight for because the enemy is not going to roll over and play dead and watch us go take a city in Ada County. Can you scream Amen. He's going to fight. There are some battles worthy of fighting for. Can you scream Amen? I just want to talk about three of them today. Would you turn in your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 14? Genesis chapter 14. Pastor Jordan, can you throw me a, a bottle of water, please? Genesis chapter 14. Thank you very much. The Bible says when we're weak, he is, he is strong uh, while you're turning there. Tom, would you stand up? Tom, Tom Melton. This, this guy, he's just crazy. I'm this old guy, feeble and, you know, a has-been washed-up shell of a man. He takes me on a mountain bike ride yesterday, and, and we climbed like 38 feet. Or no, we, we rode 38 miles and climbed like 4,500 feet. But I was trying to keep up with him, and, and I got stung by something up on the top of Bogus Basin, and I am very, very much so allergic to, to bees and to stings and things along those lines. So I think he tried to take me out yesterday. So listen, if I just fall over, Tom, this is on you. I want you to jump up here. My Bible and my iPad is on this pulpit. Now, how many know that he is praying right now? God, please heal my pastor. But I, I want to talk to you about three arenas that Abram fought for, and it's three arenas that you and I, most, we, we must fight for. Number one, Abram fought for his sons. He fought for his sons. One of the things that I love about my pastor, Pastor Doyle, is whenever he travels in Idaho, pouring into our Southern Idaho Ministry Network, our pastors, he always puts up on the screen his grandchildren. And he says these words. I've, I've, I've heard him say it so many times, I've, I've got it memorized for the most part. He said, I put these, my grandchildren up on the screen, just so you all know who has the most beautiful grandchildren in the world. And I'm thinking, well, Pastor, you've not seen mine. How many identify with that? Just say, you're great. But, but he says these things. I, I put them up there so you can see how beautiful they are. And also so that you pastors and leaders would recognize life and church is not about my generation. Life and church is about their generation. 
We are one generation away from Christianity being in the rearview mirror in America and around the world. How many recognize we got to fight for our sons and our daughters? Can you scream amen? They might look different. They might act different. They might preach different. They might lead different. I'm not going to point my finger at them. I'm going to raise them up and create a platform that they can take the ministry. They can take the gospel further than their daddy did. Can you say amen? So he fought for his sons. Genesis chapter 14, verse 12. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom, and carried off everything he owned. There's a battle that's being waged. There's a battle that's being waged today. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove, belonging to Mamre, the Emirate. Mamre and his relatives, Ishkal and Aner, were Adam's allies, uh, excuse me, Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized 318 trained men. Now listen, I want this to be highlighted. Who were, who had been born into his household, who had been born into his household. And then he pursued, you can pronounce the names, army, until he caught up with them at Dan. Now, what I want to talk to you a little bit about, they they were born into this family. Um, My last name is Sears. I'm adopted. God, God, through the the wisdom of God, uh, my earthly father, well, my biological father, he passed away. I had his name, but when I was five years old, I have my adoption papers. I got them about three years ago, and it literally said, on this day, Monty Ray Ramsey shall be called Monty Ray Sears. I took on the name of my adopted father. I have two brothers. It's Monty, Marty, and Boydie. And I like to tell them, you know, dad had you, but he chose me. Because for, for many years, I struggled with, with knowing that, you know, I don't know who my real dad is. And I was treated a lot different than my other brothers. But then it just settled in on me. Dad had Marty and Boydie, but dad chose me. Do you know that you and I who were in faith, covenant, relationship with Almighty God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born into the family of God. I love being a Sears, but I'm here to tell you, I love that God has given me his name. I am a Christian. I am a born again Christian. Anybody born again? Can we put our hands together and get crazy loud for the Lord? Born again. I'll I'll never forget many, many, many years ago, maybe 30 years ago, I was doing uh, in the construction trades, concrete, journeyman carpenter in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I I had this one guy that I, actually two guys that I was really witnessing on the job in this one certain job. And one time I was working in the ditch and I was telling this guy how much the Lord loves him. And and he told me, Mon, if you don't shut up, I'm going to spit in your face and punch you right in the face. And you know me, I I didn't shut up. and, and, And he spit right in my face. Man, I think I, I would have rather him punch me. There's something so demeaning about being spit on. You know, they spit in our Lord's face as well. And then there was another one, Manny. And Manny, he, he was religious. He went to a church, not going to say what church, denomination. He didn't own a Bible, but he went to church on a Sunday, and he thought he was all right with God. 
And he criticized me, he teased me, because I proclaim that I am not just somebody who goes to church. I am a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And he would tease me and make fun of me. I mean, recognize it's not good enough to go to church. you got to be born again. It's not good enough to be moral. You must be born again. Jesus, he says this in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 16. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I, I love that. What is that translated? Daddy, God. He's not too big for you to crawl up on his lap. He's not too busy. He is Papa God. He is Daddy God, and he loves you desperately. Can you say amen? But you must be born again. He fought for his sons in Jesus' name. I, I don't know about you, but, but um, you're not somebody that God's stuck with. You're not somebody that God's stuck with. According to Scripture, John 15, you didn't even choose him. Jesus chose you. You've heard me say it before. You're not the runt of the litter, somebody he's stuck with. No, you are his first choice. And if you had been the only one, how many know God would have sent his son, the Redeemer, redeeming your life? Can you say amen? But listen, the enemy will really come against you and try to get you to question the love of God. So we must fight, would you write this down, for our, our identity as sons and daughters of God. The enemy, he has no new tricks. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that we might have life and we might have it to the abundance. Can you say amen? You can see Jesus when he was baptized, and we have the Trinity on the scene. We have the Father in heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We have the Holy Spirit descending from heaven in the form of a dove and alighting upon the Lord. So we have the Father. We have the Son. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized as a model for you and I to follow. Now, isn't it interesting, immediately after his baptism, according to Scripture, he was led into the wilderness, and he was tempted for 40 days. And the enemy <laughs> tried to tempt the Son of God with this. He, he said, if you are the Son of God. Have you ever heard that? If you are the Son of God. I mean, recognize he was not just the Son of God. He was God in the flesh standing before the enemy, the enemy that, that he conquered through the death and the burial and his resurrection. Can you scream a good amen? But if he tried to get Jesus to be confused regarding who he was, don't you know he will do the same thing? It's a battle that Jesus fought, and it's a battle that we must fight to understand your identity in Christ, it's absolutely vital and essential to be successful. you got to know who you are and whose you are. And i got just a couple of things. There are many voices that would try to mark your life as far as identity. And i got just a couple written down. Here's one, who others say that you are, both good and bad. 
Can I say this? You are not as good as your cheerleaders say you are, and you're not as bad as your critics think you are. Here's another one. Um, Who others say you are, who you say you are, both good and bad, something that really God is, is just really stirring in my spirit because I know that there are people who, who, who have negative self-taught and they start questioning, am I, am I really a Christian? Or if I was a Christian, I wouldn't have stumbled. Listen, friends, you need to understand, don't, don't just listen to your flesh. You need to listen to the Spirit so you'll try to mark your life. What about the enemy, the devil? And how many know he says nothing good about your life? As a matter of fact, when we sin, when we stray, when we begin to drift, it is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that brings us back into the Word of God and central with Christ in the center of our heart. Can you say amen? It's the conviction, but the enemy enemy brings condemnation. Condemnation wants you to quit, wants to make you quit, but conviction wants to make you get right in the presence of God. Here's some lies. The devil, he lies and says, you're a sinner because you sometimes sin. But God's truth, you are a saint declared righteous by God. How many want to believe the Lord? Can you say amen? The devil's lie, you get your identity from what you have done, but God's truth is we get our identity because of what God has done for us. Can you say amen? The, the enemy, he says, you get your identity from what people say, but God's truth, we get our identity from what God says about you. And I don't know about you. I choose to believe what the Bible says to the anointing of the Holy Spirit about my life. How about you? Can you say Amen. I'm not going to listen to a critic. I'm not going to listen to even what I, the negative self-talk. I'm going to listen to what God says about me. And listen, he loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He is our heavenly father, and he is a good God. Can you say amen? So listen, we must fight for our sons and daughters of this generation. Um, I I recently, uh, Pastor Jordan, Leroy, and I, we went to a a conference in uh, Minnesota, uh, River Valley Conference, Rob Ketterling is a senior pastor, and they're a multi-site model, and uh, not unlike us, a little bit bigger than us. They, I think they average around, was it, 6,500, 8,000 on a Sunday morning, all their campuses combined. But uh, it was very interesting. How many recognize um, uh, just about, boy, isn't that beautiful? You hear that rain? It was very interesting to me to see uh, worship, the worship experience that they presented to, whole, I think, 770 pastors that were there. And one of the keynote speakers, because they were all dressed weird, man, they had their holy jeans on. You know what I mean? The holy jeans on. One had the weirdest jumpsuit you ever saw in all of your life. The main worship leader had a beanie on his, on his head. A couple others had beanies. I mean, one had his, I mean, it was, they, they just, from the outward appearance looking, it was like, wow. So the keynote speaker, he got up and he said, dear Jesus, I mean, worship was absolutely amazing. And it was, man, God just descended. But, but he said, I, the, 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 the attire of the worship pastors and the worship team on stage, he said, I don't know if that's cool or if they're homeless. Uh, I mean, they just look so different. 
But how many recognize, man, we look at the outward appearance, but it's God that looks at the heart. It's not about what you put on. It's about getting in the presence of God and living and leading with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So I'm telling you this, the up-and-comer generation, they're not like it was when I first got saved 38 years ago. 38 years ago, they wore choir robes, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. But you don't see many choir robes anymore, and it's still wonderful. It's beautiful to see young people on stage leading us into the presence of God. Nothing brings me more joy than to see the up-and-comers because one day there's going to be a transfer and the people that the baton, the hand that there is, the baton is going to be in one day, they're going to take this thing called the gospel further and farther and, 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 and make a greater impact than the generation that I inherited the baton from and the, the baton that I have in my hand now. I'm grateful for the Pastor Buellers who led with excellence. I'm grateful for those who are leading with excellence. But listen, we got to fight for ourselves sons and daughters, recognizing we're not going to hold them to the outward like we used to be. No, you go after God and you lead people to Christ. You win cities for the glory of God. Can you say amen? I hope most of you still love me. But there's something very interesting about this. The enemy comes and takes Lot, his family, and their possessions, and they mobilize as one. They, they mobilize. And as I was, I got up real early this morning, 5.30. How many say that is just too early to get up? Um, uh, but but I, I just really felt in my spirit that there would be people here who you got a family member that's out there drifting away. They mobilized the family, 318 people who were raised up in the, the family, Lot's family, Abram's family. And how many recognize it is a picture of the church? We are the family of God. It's Jesus' favorite description of the church. We are the family of God. And I believe the Lord spoke to me that there will be people listening to the sound of my voice. you got somebody in your family that's drifting away, turning their back away from the Lord. Maybe the enemy. That, that old bin, that old addiction has gripped their heart again, and they're wandering away. They're drifting away. It is a dangerous thing to wander and to drift. And I want to pray, if you are here and you have somebody in your family that is wandering or drifting away, I want you to stand to your feet right now. you got somebody the man you're praying for, you're praying your guts out for, you're fasting, you're praying, you do anything to reach them. Uh, somebody, Jabin Chavez, he, he tweeted last week, and it was so profound. He said, preachers, it's time to preach like your son is on the back pew giving God one more chance. Come on, you got somebody in your family straying. Stand to your feet. Let's lift our hands toward heaven. And I want those of you around these standing, I want you to start praying over their loved ones. The Lord knows who they are. They are marked with the blood of Christ. They can wander. They can run. But they will not outrun the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up our loved ones who are drifting away, who are wandering 
who it seems like the enemy is winning in their life. Father, some of these were dedicated in an altar to you as a, as a child. Some of these were called into ministry at a children's camp or a youth camp, but God, they're, they're wandering they're drifting away. Maybe that old life is catching up to them. Maybe that addiction that had them bound, that they were set free of, is, is coming upon their life again. Maybe it's the friends that they're hanging out with that is dragging them down. God, rescue them. Rescue them. Raise up mighty men and women of God from Christian Faith Center to surround these loved ones who are interceding for their loved ones. God, we claim their lives. They are marked by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are going to come home. Prodigals, come home. Jesus' name. If you know how to pray in the Spirit, I want you to pray in the Spirit on behalf of these loved ones right now. Come on, let's pray in the Spirit for a moment. God, bring them home. God, convict them of their sin. Lord, capture their heart again. Draw them home. Prodigals come home. They're coming home. They're one step closer today than they were yesterday. In Jesus' name, can we all put our hands together and in just prophetically celebrate their home going. Jesus' name. We got to fight. We got to fight. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. Please be seated. Next, number two. Number two, Abram fought for their freedom. Abram fought for their freedom. Freedom is not a destination. I know people behind bars that are more free than many people in this church today. The Apostle Paul, the prison epistles, how many recognize Paul might have been in prison, but prison was not in him. He fought for their freedom. They were accosted by the enemy. He fought for their freedom. Verses 15 and 16, Genesis chapter 14. There he divided his men and attacked during the night, and this man's army fled. Then Abram chased them. He chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. How many recognize that is victory? You roll over and play dead. Well, the enemy's got Lot. He's got his family. He's got his possessions. Oh, well. No, we got to fight for the freedom of people. We must fight for freedom in Jesus' name. I'm here to tell you, in Jesus' mighty name, it might look like the enemy is winning, but the enemy does not win. The war has been won. I understand the battle rages in Jesus' name. The God who brought freedom to Abraham's family is the same God who is bringing freedom to our families. Can you scream amen? The same God who shut the mouth of the lions is the God who will move heaven and earth on our behalf. The God who walked with the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, that's our God. The God who defeated death, hell, and the grave, his name is Jesus, that's our God. 
Can you say amen? There's nothing that he cannot do. The Bible said, is there anything too hard for our God? Can we just scream one, two, three, no? One, two, three, no. There's not a devil he hasn't defeated. There's not a sickness he cannot heal. There's not a prodigal he cannot save. God is God, and he is good. Can you say amen? He, he fought for freedom. He fought for freedom. Abram was willing to fight to see his sons and his family free. He was willing to risk himself. He was willing to put his life on the line. He was willing to engage in battle. One of the greatest things that you and I, we're talking about inheritance, one of the greatest things that you and I can pass down is a legacy of freedom. A legacy of freedom. My, my lineage from my adopted side of my family is uh, my great grand, grand, all of them hard workers, entrepreneurs. They passed down some strong stuff to, to me and my brothers that we we're trying to pass down to our kids and their kids and their kids. But I, I've heard it say so many times that, you know, my granddaddy was an alcoholic, so I'm going to be an alcoholic. My daddy was an alcoholic, so I'm going to be an alcoholic. How many recognize you better be fighting some battles so that what you pass down is freedom? It's freedom. In, in the spirit, you've got to sever some things in the spirit, not from trying harder, but from getting it under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest inheritance that you and I can pass down is a legacy of spiritual freedom. And I understand back in the day, 38 years ago, I was bound and lost in my sin, but God has changed my life, and I've severed that, and I ain't about to pass that back down to my children. How many recognize this next generation? They got battles of their own to fight. I don't want them fighting mine. I want to pass down a legacy in Jesus' name, a legacy of freedom, blessing, favor, generosity. That's what I want to pass down to my kids, both, both physically and also spiritually. Finally, Abram fought for their true inheritance, for their true inheritance. Genesis chapter 14, verse 21 through 24. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourselves all the goods that you have recovered. Abram sounds like a good deal. Maybe in the natural, but listen. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, most high God. Remember El El Yon, most high God, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not so much take a single thread or sandal thong from which belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my aliases. And so let me give you just the truth. Abram refused to receive from a man as a substitute what had been promised by God. Abram didn't want the king of Sodom to say, well, Abram, you're rich just because of what I gave you. How many recognize the true wealth has nothing to do with worldly wealth and everything to do with a spiritual heritage? Can you say amen? 
Too many people, they sacrifice on the altar of compromise trying to get this inheritance that's earthly when we need to stay strong in the spirit and receive and pass down an inheritance of spiritual vitality and the blessings of Almighty God. One of the greatest things that we can pass down does not come from men. It comes from God. Uh, I, I remember years ago, I, I read something out of uh, Dear Ann or Ann Land or something like that. And uh, it was an 80-year-old man on his deathbed, and he was writing to his family. And he said, I'm 80 years old. You know, I've had bad luck my whole life. You are not going to believe what happened to me last week. I won the lottery, and it was a $10 million lottery. My luck has changed. And then you're not going to believe what happened to me just like three or four days after I went public that I'm a millionaire. I've got 100 marriage proposals from beautiful women. You see, a true godly inheritance, yes, it includes wealth that is to be utilized, it's to be tied on, tied on and be utilized to ex- expand and extend the kingdom of God. But listen, what you want passed down to you, what those of us who are alive want passed down to our children, physical and spiritual, is a godly legacy. Can you say amen? A godly legacy. I, I, I have friends who parents have passed away, and they receive large sums of money, and they go out and buy this new, that new, this new. And do you know the majority of people who become millionaires through a lottery or an inheritance, they become bankrupt in the first couple of years? You see, it's not just about passing down things. It's about passing down the values. Um. I've got a will. I hope you all have a will. Although how many are like me? You don't fear death. You just don't want to be there when it happens. I'm believing I'm going to go up in the rapture. Not going to die. But I have in my will that it's not just about money. It's not just about things that I have accomplished in the natural. It's about the values associated with it. It's about the value, and I've, I spelled them out regarding my papa and, and, and my dad, how hard that they worked. They, they, they sacrificed. If you don't pass down your values, what you pass down in the natural will have a tendency to destroy those that you love most. I want that to sink in. In my will, before you get a penny out of my trust, you're going to tithe 10% to Christian Faith Center. Because if you can't give God the first, that 100% that you're, it will destroy your life. Friends, this is, this is serious. It's about passing down an inheritance, a, a, a legacy. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Have you ever had someone break into something and steal something of yours? I've had two brand new pickups stolen. Stolen. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Nothing wrong with a brand new pickup, by the way. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Listen, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither rough, moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I, I want to pass down an inheritance that's not just money, not just some other resources. I want to pass down a heritage and a legacy filled with the Spirit of God, the values of Scripture, the priorities of the Word of God, the things that Kelly and I literally have fought for. There's some battlefields that we have almost died on, but God has raised us up. I want to pass that down. Just the Spirit to fight, to be a, a leader, not to go with the flow, but to make such a difference. When you get up, all of hell fears because God is in you and working through you. I want to talk to you about inheritance. Inheritance. Matter of fact, would you stand to your feet? The Apostle Paul One of his prayers is recorded to the church in Ephesus. And I want to just speak a prayer over us today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 28. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. That's you and that's me. His holy people, listen, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Who you are, that verse alone should take on new meaning. Do you recognize it's not the solar system, it's souls that Jesus died for. It's not planets, it's people. You and I are his rich and glorious inheritance. Inheritance. 